Amen. Thank you, Luke and Bethany, for that leading us in worship this morning. The message this morning is God's cure for anxiety. If you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start by reading in verse 24. In verse 24, it states, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he would devote it to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and wealth. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body. As to what you will put on, is life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, and they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who by you being worried can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, it is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of his own. As I say this morning, the title of this message is God's Cure for Anxiety. We're going to look into God's word this morning and see what God says about anxiety. But if I spent the entire time talking about anxiety and fear, I'd be misleading if I did not focus on the real issue, which is the lack of drawing near to God. Anxiety and fear can be crippling. They can distract you from pursuing God and knowing his peace. That's a peace beyond our comprehension. God desires for us to have his peace. So what is anxiety and what is fear? Anxiety and fear are closely related to each other. Anxiety is used in Mark 4.19 depicts feelings of apprehension or distress in view of worrying about what could possibly happen. Fear in Luke 1.12 is aroused by intense concern for impending pain, danger, evil, and is more convinced that what is dreaded will really happen. In today's uncertainty, there can be many distractions that can lead us away from our relationship with the Lord. It could be the fear of the unknown, as we just talked about. 
regarding the COVID-19, which surrounds all of us right now, I think it's on everybody's minds. I don't think anybody can escape it. It may be the possibility of whether or not you'll have a job tomorrow. It may be that you're concerned about whether or not you will be able to maintain a roof over your head. We become anxious when we begin to focus on our circumstances and the things around us regarding our health, what to eat, and where we live. So together, let's pray for this morning that God would open up his word to us. So Father God, we come before you and we humbly open up your word, knowing that, Lord, you desire to speak to us clearly through your word, illuminate the scriptures, Lord, that we have understanding and that we could truly grasp what your scripture says. And Father, as we submit ourselves to you, Lord, that you'll continue to teach our hearts. And as we draw close to you, we will find the peace that surpasses all understanding, but is only found in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord, this morning for this in Jesus' name. Amen. My grandfather lived in Southern Oregon. He was a humble man. He lived in a one-room home that he built himself. I remember as a young child about Tyler's age, going to my grandfather's house and noticing on the wall a small little brown plaque. The plaque had the title that said, Overheard in an Orchard. The poem which my grandfather was very fond of goes something like this. Said the robin to the sparrow, I'd really like to know why these anxious human beings often worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, Friend, I think it must be that they have no heavenly father that cares for you and me. This poem was written by Elizabeth Cheney in 1859. For those history buffs out there, we know that 1859 was two years prior to the Civil War. Anxiety high in America at that time? I would say absolutely. Sometimes something about this poem really caused me to think, as a, young, as a young child, and it's the very last way in which they said, they have no heavenly father which cares for you and me. That last stanza of the poem speaks to me in the way that, wait a second, I do have a heavenly father, and their perspective, I can have that peace. In these undaunting times, it is very easy for us to take our eyes off of our creator and begin to look at our own circumstances, to think those circumstances will somehow come true. And although we don't have any supporting evidence to suggest that, but nevertheless, we will seem to be pulled away from Christ, who will be our source of peace and our circumstances, which leads us down the spiral road toward fear and anxiety. It just gets worse. Jesus in Matthew 6, verse 24, provides us a comparison of earthly wealth to heavenly wealth. And in verse 21, he states, where your treasure is, there you will be also. You cannot serve two masters. Ask yourself this morning, 
Am I anxious? Where's my treasure? Where is my wealth being stored up? Jesus outlines in this passage our struggle between God and our earthly desires. You cannot fully trust God and be filled with worry. They cannot be together. If you trust God, you won't worry. If you worry, you won't be trusting God. This is expanded in the next line in which Jesus says, for this reason. It connects the verses. And I say to you, do not be worried or anxious about your life. So he starts off with saying, you cannot serve two masters. And then he turns around and says, for this reason, you cannot be, I say to you, do not be worried or anxious about your life or what you would eat and drink or your body as what you put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Jesus then points to the birds of the air, very much like we did, looked at in that poem of the sparrow and the robin. And looking at the birds of the air, he points to the fact they do not sow or reap. We sow and we reap, but they don't sow and they reap. They don't reap. But what happens is the Heavenly Father does take care of them. Doesn't he, in fact, meet their needs? He fulfilled their needs, so there's truly, for them, no need to be anxious and worry. Should there be with us? Anxiety and worry clouds our minds and distracts us from a loving, caring God. If you find yourself anxious and distracted, know one thing is that your attention is not directed towards God, but is directed at your circumstances. So if you dwell on your circumstances more than you do the loving, caring God who died for you on the cross at Calvary, and you become to be looking around you at your circumstances, Will you get anxious and fearful? I would say yes. But the question really is, are you not worth more than the birds of the air to God? God died on the cross for us. We are truly more important to him, more than the birds of the field. The next point I want to make is dealing with our anxiety and fears. Is God trustworthy? Have you asked the question, is he really trustworthy? What does it mean for God to be trustworthy? In verse 31 through 34 of Matthew 6, states, do not worry what you would eat or what you drink for the clothing, for the Gentiles eagerly seek these things. Their eyes are not on Christ or God himself, but their eyes are on their circumstances. They're on what they can touch, what they can feel. They're on their food, their drink, their clothing, what they look like. But Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow. 
for tomorrow will take care of itself. In this passage, we see clearly that Jesus knows our needs. Think about that for a moment. Does Jesus truly know my needs? Yes, he does. Before I even ask, he already knows my needs. He knew my need for this morning, and when the men prayed for me this morning, they knew where he already knew where I was at. But in this, we need to seek his righteousness, seek his kingdom. In other words, our focus needs to be solely on glorifying Christ, and our focus, and if our focus is solely on Christ and his glory, he says that all these things, these not wants, but these needs, he will meet. Do we always understand his plan? Not really. But what do we need to do? Do we look our eyes on the plan or do we look at our eyes on Christ and look up to him? He states then by saying, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It does, doesn't it? Every today, things are changing. I read the news in the morning. I try to stay away from the news, but I read the news in the morning and it seems like from moment to moment to moment, things change. What is the one thing that does not change? God does not change. He is consistent. He is today. Yet he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the consistent thing in our lives that we need to put our focus on. God's desire for us that we put our focus on the task at hand and what is in front of us today. Not be anxious for what we can't control and not be anxious for what is down the road, nor be anxious for something that might not ever happen. The problem with, with us is we need to be continually reminded of his love and care and his provision for our needs. This is not unlike the Israelites. When they left Egypt, they were continually had to be reminded what God had done for them in Egypt and the fact that he had brought them out of Egypt, and then he had brought them into the promised land. God continued through the prophets to remind them over and over again, remember Egypt, remember the promised land, remember how I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you through the desert, I brought you to the promised land. He doesn't say that once, he says it numerous times throughout the Old Testament, constantly reminding them of what he has done. Has not God granted his salvation to his elect through his son, and does he not freely give us all things? Romans 8.32. Why do we still fret and worry? In 1 Peter 5.7, the apostle Peter tells us to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. The word to cast literally means to transfer something to another person. In this particular case, God is asking us to transfer our cares, our anxieties, our worries, our concerns on him. Does he not say 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Found in Matthew eleven twenty nine. Do you want his yoke this morning? Do you want to take the anxieties of what's going on in your life? Do you want to basically say, hey, I want that peace? You can ask yourself the question, the one who did not withhold his son, but on the cross, Christ took the wrath of God for us and provided us eternal life. He has done all the work of salvation, and in him we will produce the fruit of righteousness. Is he trustworthy he's done all the work it's in christ alone is he trustworthy so if we are more important to god than the birds of the field and he is trustworthy and worthy to be worshiped how then do we begin to change our thinking first this morning if you're on the live stream or if you're here this morning and you do not know christ as your savior and you have not trusted in him for salvation, it is difficult and may even be impossible for you to change your thinking into the things of God. Yet but foolish, but see, the things of God, for those who don't believe, is yet but foolishness. But the good news is today is the day of salvation. For those of us who have already trusted in Christ for salvation, what do we need to do? We need to begin to distinctly change our thinking, turning from our own thoughts, meditations, and concerns, and focus on God's word and what God says to us. If you turn with me over to Philippians chapter 4, Starting verse 4, I'm going to go ahead and read this short section. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but by everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and what you received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. We're going to look this morning at four biblical principles that are God's cure for anxiety found in this passage. The first one in Philippians 4, Paul makes an exhortation to us, is the first thing is to rejoice. He says, 
Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. So in repeating it twice, rejoice, do you get the point? He wants us to rejoice. And rejoicing in God for what he has already done. What has he done on the cross? He has taken the wrath of God and he has substituted his righteousness and given us his righteousness and he has taken our sinfulness. I can rejoice in that. I can rejoice in God, my Savior, my salvation. Rejoicing then removes our eyes from the circumstances, our own failures, and places it on the one who has run the race well. That is, in fact, Christ Jesus. He has run well. His desire for me is to run well. Sergio the last, uh, has taught on running the race, running the race well. Rejoicing keeps my eyes focused on him and moves it off of my own circumstances. Paul states, rejoice in the word, and he uses the word always. It's just not some of the times. Do we rejoice on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, but the other days are off? We rejoice part of the time, or do we take our focus and rejoice all of the times? The second part of that passage, Paul says, uses the word reasonableness or to be translated gentleness, refers to contentment with and generosity towards others. We turn our attention to rejoicing in Christ. Both joy and gentleness are exhibited in our life, and we bring forth glory and focus on Christ and Him. Is not our goal as believers to first glorify Him? It's for his glory, not for mine. We do what we do, not so that we get our name in lights or we get singled out. We do it because God gets the glory. In this, we choose to rejoice. For the second point, Paul makes an emphatic statement. Be anxious for nothing. This statement says, stop doing this. Don't do it again. This isn't a suggestion. He says, stop being anxious. Our anxiety can be from things in the past. Maybe things we never addressed that are basically in our hearts that we want to confess and we never did. Anxiety can happen from things like circumstances surrounding us or circumstances in the future with the uncertainty of how to navigate the COVID-19 pandemic that we have right now. There is present circumstances that some people are very nervous about. There's also things we look in the future. What is going to happen tomorrow? As we read in Matthew, should we be concerned about tomorrow? Is not God in control? Can I trust him? Is he trustworthy? Paul directs our attention to the one who can truly do something about our anxiety. 
that is Christ. In this passage of Philippians, he basically in this one, he's, he alludes to four specific things about prayer. And this is like not a main point, it's subpoints. So prayer one, first one is prayer, which turns our attention to God in worship. Prayer takes our eyes off of ourselves and our circumstances and puts them on Christ. The second part of this passage is about supplication, which is crying out to the Lord about a specific need. Not that God needs to know what our needs are. He already does. We need to acknowledge our total dependence on him in prayer. I'm going to say that one more time. We need to acknowledge our total dependence on him in prayer. If we depend on our own self, our own circumstances, is that going to be what God desires from us? The third part of the verse states that we should be grateful and have an attitude of thankfulness in our prayers. This is a shift of our thinking from our strength to the strength of a mighty God. God continually in the Old Testament warned the Israelites to, rely, to not rely on their own strength, but to solely rely on God and God alone for everything. Finally, in this passage, Paul states, let your requests be made known to God. These are specific requests that they are asking the Father. The Father knows your needs, but his desire is that you verbalize them to him. God desires for you to speak to him in prayer, to, to lay out those things that are troubling you, that are bothering you, and says, Lord, I don't understand. Please help me with your word. Help me understand. We need to pray about everything. Not just some things, everything we need to be praying about. The third point, you will find peace through prayer. We originally started off talking about God's peace only comes through Christ. But you can have that peace. Do you really think that the world system will give you peace and contentment? The Gentiles tried, didn't work for them. Jesus said, my peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. None of the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let it be fearful. Have you ever noticed that every commercial on TV is geared towards not making you content? by not making you be at peace. You need this. You need this knife. You need this car. This will satisfy you if you get this new appliance for your wife. Your wife will be very happy. Your life will be filled with peace. Is any of it true? No. But Jesus says you can have peace and we can gain that peace when you continue to pray and submit our requests to the Father. When we continue in prayer to the Lord, He gives us that peace which surpasses all comprehension, and it will guard your hearts 
in Christ Jesus. I can't emphasize enough how important prayer is for our walk with the Lord. We find peace when we pray to the Father and we seek Christ with all our heart. The fourth point is found in Philippians 4, verse 8. Think about what is true. The battleground is in our mind. What we focus on, what we think about, and what we contemplate. In counseling, one of the primary things we find when we talk to somebody that comes in just to talk for the first time, we ask them three things. What is your reading plan? Are you in God's word? Uh, what scriptures are you meditating on? And are you praying? And I can tell you that nine times out of 10, all three of those are, I'm going to say, extremely lacking at first. What we think about and what we put into our mind will have an effect on the outcome. If we dwell on our circumstances, if we dwell on the world system, if we dwell on the things around us, what we can see, we can touch, we can feel, if we dwell on those things, they will be short-lived. We will not find the peace of Christ. If we get into his word, we spend time meditating on God's word. We spend time memorizing scripture, having it on our mind continually. And if we spend time in prayer before the Lord, telling him of our needs, submitting unto his authority, that peace of Christ will become, not maybe at first, but will become a part of our life. It will actually be able to sustain us through the trials and tribulations that come our way. If you went into the COVID-19 pandemic and you were not in God's word, you did not spend time with God, you did not spend time meditating the scripture, you did not spend time in prayer with him, it was probably very devastating at first for many people. As we began to dig into the word and ask God, we don't know what's going on, but Lord, please guide us, direct us in what is the best thing to do for my life, my family, and the people that I'm responsible for. God then shows us through his word, if we focused on him and we spend time with him, he will then give us that peace. We can then endure the tribulation, not because what we have done, because what Christ has already done. At this point, if you were thinking, I can't do it, I don't have anything in me, I'm a believer, but I just don't really know, I'd remind you, if you're in Christ, you are a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. It is not with what you can do, but what Christ can do in you. We are broken vessels. Brothers and sisters, this morning, we are all broken, but guess what? Christ wants to redeem us. He wants to change our thinking. As we meditate on his word and come before him in prayer, he will then, in fact, resurrect us to bring glory to him. Not to us. It's not about us. 
if you think that you're going to go do all these things so that God will lift you up, that you'll be, oh, somebody awesome. God's the only awesome one here. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think of these things. Where do we find all these things? All these things that Paul is talking about in Philippians 4.8 is found in the scriptures. God's desire for us is that we put our focus meditating on his word by reading and memorizing scriptures. We'll be thinking about the things that God desires us to think about, that God desires for us. The benefit as the stresses of life and the anxiety of uncertainty melts away in the light of his wonderful word. Think, brothers and sisters, of what is true. To finalize in the poem, The Robin and the Sparrow, they recognized how much that God cared for them and were perplexed and how we can be so distracted from the things of God. Anxiety and fear do distract you from a deeper relationship with Christ. In times of anxiety and fear come upon you, meditate on Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Choose to rejoice. Pray about absolutely everything. Look and find peace through prayer. And then think of what is true. This morning, if you hear my voice, whether here or on the live stream, and you realize that you do not know the Savior that we're talking about this morning, and you want to know more about who Jesus is, today is the day of salvation. Do not let this day go by without taking, without talking to one of us or another believer. If you trust in Christ for your salvation this morning, tell somebody what God has done for you. Get plugged into a local church. Ask them, what is the next step I need to do? If you're a believer this morning, and you've, been distra you've become distracted with the worries of life and the circumstances around you, no matter what they are, right now repent. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Seek out another believer or leader in your church or one of the leaders here. If you're hearing this message, you realize you need someone to meet with, we're here for you. This is what we love to do is to see you in God's word, see you come to a closer relationship with the Lord. When we become, we become saved, we become justified, we have not arrived yet. God's desire is to work through us that we continually trust in him. If you're a believer, God will take you through that process of trusting in him. I often look at the Israelites when they went through the, the desert, they relied on the manna, right, every day. What happens if they tried to collect two days of manna when they weren't supposed to? It turned to worms. 
God's desire for the Israelites was that they, basically, that the Israelites depended on him every day. That's God's desire for us today, is that we put our trust every day in him. If we put our trust in him, we basically get in his word and meditate, work on fellowshipping with one another, God will help us through those times. Our anxiety and our fears will melt away into his word. And what we will actually see is the face of Jesus. What better thing can we see when we get to heaven that says, please enter my rest, my good and faithful servant. Our desire here for myself and those at CBC is that you grow in your love and relationship with Christ and that you bring glory to his name. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you this morning with humble hearts, Lord. Father, you truly need to be the object of our love and our object of who we need to be like, Lord. Let us be more like you. Father, as we focus on you and your word, Lord, let our anxieties and our worries melt away into your love and your peace. Father, as we fix our eyes on you, we know, Lord, that you love and care for us. You're trustworthy, Lord. Your desire is we continue to grow in you. And Father, we thank you and praise you this morning. And we lift this all up to you in Jesus' name.